Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Adler Marcy Unplugged. I'm actually very pleased to have today's episode with Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell on the show. This is our second time going for this because last time we had technical issues and uh, it was right at the bit where we got some really good information from them. So it you know, we got them back on. As always, a real quick shout out to our sponsors today. Uh, AdwinMarcy.com is always where our podcast is hosted. Check out AbrasiveEntrepreneur.com where my buddy Shane, uh, Shane, not Shane, Shane Hunter is going to be giving away some free ad stuff on psychology, which is super awesome on Facebook ads. And most importantly, today's episode is sponsored by Let's Eliminate Your Limits.com, which is Brian and Carrie's site, which I have to admit, I actually love because they have amazing videos on there. I've kind of become a subscriber and have watched them several times over, so it's awesome. This is how they got me. This is how they got me last time. They're like, hey, yeah, just go check it out. You'll be fine. And I was like, yeah, I'll go check it out. I'll be okay. I got hooked. This is what happens, people. That's what happens. Just be very careful. He has a luscious beard and she has amazing tattoos. Well, they both have amazing tattoos, but yeah, that's how they get you. Anyway, guys, it's been great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be. We we kind of uh, we seduce. That's what we do. We seduce with beards and tattoos. Once we, once you come in, you can't oh, ever come out. Well, if you're seduced by such things. Uh, but I think most? most. I think most of the internet is actually. To be fair, <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. Plus, you guys have amazing personalities, so it helps out. So, just a real quick background. You know, we also have great content. That too. It's great content, great personality, great. Yeah, it's all great. It's all amazing. So yeah, they, they kind of won the internet lock, lottery there. But just a real quick shout out just to, um, of my understanding of both their backgrounds. Um, Carrie is a counselor as well and a psychiatrist, psychologist. I'm, I'm, a clinical counselor, yeah. That's the one. A clinical and, counselor. Do not claim to be a psychiatrist. No, no. <laughs> A clinical counselor who is also uh, a fitness enthusiast, almost a fanatic, and is pretty awesome. And that noise in the background is my cat going crazy. So I will let you guys know exactly how that turns out. People of the show, Chase is back. As always, he's awake. And Brian, who is, in my opinion, probably uh, from what I've been told and what I've seen, A, a great copywriter, B, absolutely awesome as a coach, and C, again, a fitness enthusiast as well as coached a few Olympians from what I was told quite recently as well. Is that correct? Yeah, no, yeah. I I did a little bit of performance coaching back in the day. That was my gig. I was a performance coach to Olympic and pro and national. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So, all right, guys, floor is yours while I go sort this thing out because otherwise we're going to hit rattling on the back. But please tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Oh, right on. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to go take care of my cat. You guys talk. You go first. I'll go first. Well, okay. I don't even know where to start. Let me say this. Let's eliminate your limits. What does it mean? Why? That's a good place to start. Right? What's it mean and why? Yeah, yeah so Carrie being a clinical counselor and myself, uh, my background's in uh, performance coaching. Um, I think what, the best way to surmise it is that we, uh, one day, literally, about eight years ago, right fresh into our relationship, actually, had a, one of those long, uh, pivotal conversations that went into the wee hours of the morning. I'm pretty sure we didn't sleep that night. We, we just kept talking, right? Yep. We started talking about your background, my background, and the things that I had done in the performance realm mm -hmm. with high-end athletes and the things you had done in the counseling realm with uh, children and their parents, some of you know, addicts, etc. Mm -hmm. And we realized that there was a remarkable similarity to, to your counseling and my performance coaching. And so we, we, we kind of just followed the, 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 the rabbit hole. For the next seven years. For the next seven years, right? <laughs> and realized that so much of it is based on a spirituality made practical and a mindset, helping people understand what mindset mm -hmm. means and where their deficits are, and how to simply, essentially, plug them, plug the gaps. And that's that's how we got to where we are. That's it. That was epic. That was a good summary. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, well, to be fair, I kind of want to jump into something that I did go over last show because you guys have an amazing story of how you guys met and got together. And I definitely want to cover that. So how did you guys meet? Because we started on this path, we got disconnected halfway through, and I was like, man, we got to ask them the next time I get them on here. <laughs> I'm going to let Brian start, but mostly because I like listening to him talk about me. Right, well, that's good. <laughs> That's not a, I, I, I can do that. Well, let's see. When, when I was a performance coach, I, uh, I founded and uh, owned a company in the performance education realm, specifically regarding young athletes. I was living in Chicago at the time, and Carrie worked and lived in Montreal, Canada. She worked for a company that was based in the same kind of relative demographic as to what my company was, uh, you know, essentially uh, stabilized for. So Carrie's boss, this is back in 2006, hired me to come into Montreal to do a two-day seminar. Yeah. And that was the very first time we met. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I, I love telling the story because it really is, to me, it's comical. But uh, I was standing in the parking lot of a, of a restaurant because when you are a hired consultant, you know, they like to show you the, the wines and dines of the town. Right. So the, the organizer, the, Carrie's boss, was taking me to a nice restaurant. And she came, oh, and Carrie's going to come and she's going to join us for, for dinner. And you're going to love her. Carrie's amazing. And she's talking about this woman named Carrie. And I could give two shits because I'm hungry and I just flown <laughs> in from Chicago. But across the parking lot, I saw this woman walk out of her car and walk towards the front of the restaurant we were standing so I'm basically tuning this person out while I'm staring at this woman going, my God, she's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and lo and behold, 35 seconds later, I find out that that vision was, in fact, the Carrie, <laughs> who I was ignoring the story of not more than a couple seconds before. So for the next two days, when I was the, uh, the presenter at that conference, I mostly just stared uh, at the front row because that's where Carrie was sitting. <laughs> and... Uh, and I, I admit fully, I, I fell head over heels in love uh, with this woman. She was amazing. She was gorgeous. She was sweet. She was intelligent. Um, she had a husband and two kids, so I kind of wrote the deal off right then and there. But I enjoyed flirting for those 48 hours immensely. A great deal. And that's the first time we we'd ever met. That was in 2006. We did not even correspond one more time until 2009, three yeah. years later. Yeah. Literally, I was in a, in a pretty nasty car accident about three o'clock in the morning uh, while I was driving from Chicago to Minnesota, incidentally, to do another seminar. Um, and uh, the long, long story of that is that when I got back to Chicago after totaling my car, my roommate at the time, we were just talking about life and death and regret and remorse and how, how fragile it all is. And my, my roommate said to me, have you ever fallen in love with somebody and not told them? And I said, yeah, uh, her name was Carrie Campbell. And my roommate said, well, you know what? Go on to Facebook, find her and tell her now. And he did. So I did. I sent her a private message, hadn't corresponded for three years. And I basically said, no, I fell in love with you back in 2006. <laughs> I have no agenda. I just wanted to tell you because nobody should go to the grave with that kind of song in their heart. And then that's where I pick up story because the rest of the story the way it goes is um i got that message and was a, a giddy schoolgirl as i got it um for i don't even know why i just had a feel like I, it was ridiculous i was a giddy schoolgirl. um we ended up getting on the phone to talk three nights later and uh the first night we were on the phone from nine o'clock at night until five o'clock in the morning wow and um, we talked about everything and anything. And the first night we were kind of like, God, like, I think that this is it. Like, you know, when people talk about finding it, we think that this is it. And then we did the same thing the next night, nine to five. 
And uh, at that point, we knew that this was it. And then the third night, we decided how to make it happen. And uh, three months later, Brian moved to Montreal. That's it. Became a stepdad and a husband. Yeah. Greatest love story ever told. (laughs) (laughs) That is insane. And you guys are like pretty much just so... Well, as the people, because this is again more like um, audio, but like for the people who won't see this, and you'll see it in their photos, like just follow them on social media and you will find it everywhere. You two are literally, you can just feel the love oozing out of every photo you guys take together or even together. It's just amazing. Um, Thank you. I love that. You guys can actually feel it. Like, I genuinely, that's one of the things I wanted to explore about that, about your relationship, was because it's finding that um, connection. And something you just said right there, Brian, that I really want to jump into is having that conversation with you and your roommate, have you ever had something you want to tell that you love, but didn't? Like, do you have any regrets? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure a lot of people out there have probably had that same situation happen to them, or more so, they've had some regrets. Now, what advice would you give mm-hmm. to that for someone that's going through that set, that set of like, you know, I really wish I'd done this, I really wish I'd spoken to that person, signed that deal, not chickened out, whatever it was. Yeah, well... I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic question. I, I, I tend to be an all-or-nothing guy. I, I, I don't hedge my bets well. I'm not as pragmatic as other people. Um, <laughs> I think regret is a perspective. I think that if I regret in business the shot I didn't take or the, the deal I didn't sign or the love I didn't express, uh, I, 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 I essentially do so now, meaning – you know, whether or not Carrie was available, and I didn't know if she, no one told me she was divorced. I just wanted to tell a woman that I'd fallen in love with her. I didn't really know what her situation was. But I think that that's that's our duty. That's our responsibility. Like, I really, I'm a spiritual man to the core. I'm not religious in the least. Um, but I believe in quantum physics. I believe in, 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 in universal energies and forces. Uh, I believe that re- regrets are perspectives and nothing more. And I think that our obligation, we were gifted life and our obligation is to live and to not be mediocre and to, to not play safe. Um, there's an amazing secret about life and it's very simple. You're not going to get out of it alive. Mm-hmm. So take your shots and, and trust the process that what's meant to be will be and what's not meant to be won't be. But don't don't take your last breaths saying, shit, I really fucking wish I had done this. Do it. And and if you missed the opportunity the first time, then do it the second time. Mm. But regret regret has a way of not becoming an issue. Uh, if you recognize that you wish you would have done something, then do it. Yeah. Then do it. Then then we don't live in regret. We live in shots missed. And I can that, look at you miss shots. It is what it is. Michael Jordan missed shots. Um, yeah. But he sure as shit took them. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I think is the most important lesson there. You know, I, I think that it's really hard to speak about regret and not sound like all the other rhetoric. Yeah. Like, it's really yeah. a ch- challenge, right? Like, oh, you know, you don't want to go to your grave with regrets, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, one of the things that Brian and I always talk about on our morning show is that, like, the, the motivational quotes and the rhetoric, more often than not, they're, like, spot on. But what we need to do is we need to take them and internalize them and ask ourselves what that really means and li- and really live by them. Don't just share them on Facebook and, you know, think that that's enough, you know. So Brian mentioned, you know, going to your grave. And I, and I think that if we, we all called into question or into light our mortality more often yes. and the reality that, like, 
really like do I want to take this chance or not like if I'm on my deathbed would I be upset about the fact that I tried you know and if we if we conditioned ourselves to call into question our mortality I think people would take more chances in general and if you don't mind I'm just going to jump in with one more thing there's an amazing article that is viral it's every it's been viral for as long as the internet's been around uh back in the 70s and 80s uh, a palliative care nurse in Australia I think it was 30 years she did what's case study research where she was she was being a nurse for for people who were literally on their deathbed and she asked them questions for 30 years what was your deepest regret and she realized that there were five regrets that were common amongst people who are on the deathbed the number one regret across 30 years of people was this i didn't do what i wanted to do mm. now that i just got chills that mm -hmm. should not be your regret. Your regret, there should be no regrets. Mm -hmm. Do what you want to do mm -hmm. and trust that the universe is working for you, not against you. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And so it's kind of interesting you guys say face with your own mortality because um, about, yeah, literally a week ago, a week ago today, um, I didn't realize this until a song, weirdly enough, it was Magic Carpet by Steppenwolf or whatever it was yeah. yeah that came on on my spotify i don't really listen to that song but that song triggered a memory for me because uh let's see 12 yeah 11 12 years ago i basically almost killed myself by jumping off a building and mm -hmm. it was miraculous and when i say miraculous i should have died i didn't i don't know how i survived it but i did and at that moment i felt such gratitude on like september 12th i was like holy crap how did i forget that this was the day Right. It was it was eleven years ago. That was it. It's the eleventh anniversary. It's like right, from now on, gratitude every day. Go back to it because guess what? You have survived. You can't go around saying I'm not worthy of doing things. I'm not worthy to be great. Well, you tried killing yourself, dude, and it didn't work. So come on, get pick up your shit and walk forward. I'm not saying to anyone out there, go kill yourself. Please don't do that because that is not fun. That is playing a bad cards game. Yeah, just a disclaimer That's here. But what I'm saying is, as very similar to what you both said, is internalize what's out there because it is the greatest wisdom that's passed down the most simplicity, simplicity of, um, of language. That's what it is. It's just simplicity usually means greatness. Right. And people mm -hmm. want to complicate shit because they think it needs to be complicated. Absolutely. Yes. I think people think that if they complicate it, they're doing more. Like that they're going to send to something out like simplicity is where it's at, yeah. you know, and, and we, we, that's what we aim to always strive to deliver to people is simplicity. That's our number one overture. So our demographic and the people who watch us and pay attention, they don't really come from any one particular source. I think it's more uh, fair to say we have a psychographic of followers, not a demographic, yeah. but you know. It's entrepreneurs, it's people on a fitness journey, it's couples who are going through challenging times, it's people who are very wealthy but lack happiness, it's people who are happy but can't seem to gain wealth. So that's the people we talk to, but our number one overture, the number one thing we always say is simplicity plus consistency is what will get you wherever you're going. Mm. Whether Amen. it's building a business, losing weight, uh, creating and cultivating a relationship, as a parent, do simple things every single day. It never doesn't work. And that's the that's the epitome of non-complication. Absolutely. If there's ever anything to take away from my show, guys, with these two, please write that down constantly. Just that mm. formula. 
simplicity plus consistency equals basically anything you want to do because that is it does that that is it so does. helpful and i think you actually don't you cover this a little bit in your book as well brian um mindset matters most do you, do you yeah have, that's right yeah, yeah you guys I go do. into that and Carrie, I know I haven't really asked you any questions yet, but don't worry, I'm going to get you, I'm roping you in as well. In a oh, don't worry, I'm not, I wasn't worried. I'm good, I'm <laughs> That's good. Okay. I just know that you're just going to be like, I'm just going to answer this thing anyway. I'm like, yeah, she is. I know how to share. <laughs> it's all good. So like you, you definitely go into that. Please tell us a little bit more about like how you actually came up with the concept of that book, because it, A, it's an excellent title, but B, it's an excellent book. Oh, thank you. No, you know, I think, um, you know, when we were introing ourselves here, you know, Carrie and I uh, mentioned how we took her background and my background, and we kind of amalgamated them into this system. And it w really was remarkable how how two two people from very different walks of life. You're talking about a guy who was in Gothenburg, Sweden, in 1999 with the Canadian national figure skating team, watching them win uh, a, a world championship medal, versus somebody who was in the trenches in a home uh, of a child who had severe uh, special needs working with their fa his family who didn't speak English. Mm. But, and yet what we did with those respective people we were working with was remarkably similar. And that's what caused us to realize there's probably a core truth that, that in, in, engulfs human nature and can be distilled down to a very simple equation. And that's what led us to the system we have now. Um, it's, it's compartmentalized essentially by, by what we call our core concept, which is the four A's. And the four A's are very, very simple. First, we have to accept. And what is it we have to accept? It's a very simple equation. Your current reality is not reality. It's your perspective on reality. And that's fine. No one's talking about changing it or that it's not a challenge or, you know, you haven't had bad things happen. But... It's still just a perspective. Two people can experience the exact same thing and walk away with two very different perspectives yep. of what happened and what happens next. Once we allow that to be true, we can move into the second A, which is awareness. Now, everybody talks about self-awareness, but I have not met anybody who explains how to increase your self-awareness. And for us, it's very, very simple. <laughs> we must become aware of ourselves in four different ways. What are we saying to ourselves in our self-talk? How do we feel emotionally? How do we feel physically? And how are our behaviors or habits manifested? More people don't, they don't realize. They, they're assholes to themselves. Yep. They call themselves fat. They call themselves lazy. They call themselves lacking willpower. They call themselves dumb. And they wanna know why they can't lose weight or build a successful business. That language is powerful. So we must become aware of that language. The second is emotion. More people have low-grade anxiety and worry and stress and fear than ever realize they're in that state. So we must become aware of our, of our emotional profile. Are we in joy? Are we happy? Are we calm? Are we tranquil? Or are we anxious and nervous and worried? And the more awareness we drive to that, the more capacity we have to change it. Same with our physical being, meaning, oh, I got pain in my neck, I got pain in my elbow, pain in my knee. We kind of just Advil that shit away. Mm -hmm. But that physical pain is obviously, is often a manifestation of a mental emotional deficit or disconnect. And we can't just 
pretend it's not there, and we sure as shit shouldn't say, well, I'm 40, so it's kind of normal. No, it's not normal to be in pain. We have to be aware of it. And then lastly, our habits. Self-sabotage is the greatest thing. People want to lose weight, but they eat Doritos. People want to lose weight, but they skip the gym. People want to build a business, but they don't do the things they need to be doing to build a business. They waste their time on Facebook. So I know that was a lot, but those are the four things we have to gain self-awareness in. And once we do, we move to the third A, which is accountability. We, we, we are a victimized society. It's my parents' fault, my childhood's fault, the president's fault, the economy's fault, the Muslim's fault, the Christian's fault, the guy's fault, the girl's fault, the white cop's fault, the black uh, gangster's fault. It's everybody's fault. Nobody looks in the mirror and says, you know what, what have I done to contribute to what I have in my current reality. Mm. Once you do that, you start to adapt every single time. And that's the fourth and final A. So that's what I express in the book, Mindset Matters Most. I walk you through the process of what those four A's mean and how you can start to practically implement them in your day immediately. That's amazing. I mean, that's so true. It is, it is very, very true. Especially like the, just going back to point number two, which is awareness. A lot of people just stop in the mind. They don't go further than just the mind. Like, oh, I got to have good self-talk, not negative self-talk. It's like, whoa, how are you feeling? Yeah. What are you doing? And something that really changed my life was, um, I don't know if you guys have read it. I assume you guys have, is uh, The Secret Language of Your Body by Ina Segal. Yeah. And again, right here, one of my favorite books, always keep it Great by book. my desk. Um, anytime I feel like a pain in my body, I used to like write it off as in, oh, it's a martial arts injury. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But now I've like realized, wait a second, the reason your back hurts in this particular area is because you don't feel supported emotionally or physically or whatever it is. I look around my situation and go, okay, none of my friends are here because I've not told them what's going on. Called a friend, mm -hmm. hey guys, uh, I'm feeling like this today. Can can we have a conversation? Like, yeah, tell me what's going on. They could be across in the US, they can be in anywhere around the world. I can have this conversation with them. And about after I have the conversation, I'm like, my back doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> it's, it's like amazing. Yeah, it's, it's not gobbledygook. It, it used to be considered nonsensical, spiritual silliness, but there yeah. is real classical evidence that shows emotional profiles have a direct response on certain parts of the body. There's no question about it. Nobody's confused about it anymore, and nobody with any degree of ability to read should disagree with it. It absolutely is true, and I couldn't agree with you more. The only one thing I want to add to that, and it's worth noting, because yes, the mind does matter, absolutely. But one of the things we have a horrible tendency of doing, and I don't blame people, I don't blame anybody, but it's part of our self-help culture. It's part of the motivational culture. What we're conditioned to believe is that if we feel sad or feel anxious, we should mood make. Mm. We should put on a happy face. We should yeah. fake it that we make it. The reality is that's nonsense. If we have a sadness or an anxiety, it's not about getting to the root cause because you'll never get there. It's, it's a morphed part of memory that really doesn't give you what you want. But we should simply allow ourselves to be what we are. And when we give ourselves permission to be sad, acknowledge that we're sad, and choose to observe that sadness rather than react to it, the sadness goes away. So we're not trying to be happy for no reason or jump up and down and pump our face and pretend we're excited. What we're trying to create is what's called neutrality. Yeah. Neutrality. That is, that is the spiritual essence of life. Yeah. Neutral. We don't get too high nor low. 
everything is just always lovely yeah. and grateful. You know, I, I just really want to quickly add with regards to the four different ways that Brian talked about, like negativity, thoughts, feelings, physical symptoms, and behaviors. Um, I also want to point out that we are all better at identifying one of those four within ourselves than the other three. So I personally, I, I'm much more in tune with when I'm feeling negative than when I'm thinking negative. Brian was much more in tune of when he was thinking negative than when he was feeling negative. And some people are more in line with what their body's saying to them or what their actions are doing, right? So I think if, you know, one of the reasons that we use the four of the, the different um, areas for people to look at is because the more indicators we have, the more aware we can become. And we it's not a, a one size fits all process. None of us are all this are the same. So for us, giving you the tools of being able to say, okay, well, maybe I can't identify my, my limiting thoughts, but I can identify the fact that I feel like shit today and I feel sad and I feel anxious, right? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that we, we give those to people as well. Yeah, and I'm actually going to um, just say from that perspective as well, because you will feel between three or four of them. Like you'll actually go through each stage at different stages. Because I remember when um, I was younger, in my in my late teens, I was more of a guy that, Okay, what am I thinking about myself? How do I think things through? And now as I, like, after I hit my mid-20s, I'm closing, closing into my uh, 28th birthday in a couple of days, uh, I'm actually just sitting there going, actually, I feel way more than I think now. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's transversed into that thinking. And there's other times where I'm like, man, I'm acting like a real asshole today. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And it's... And it makes you feel like shit. Like, there's days where you, I don't want to say that you are an asshole. There's days that you can't take shit from people. And that's the day, like, you got to kind of show up. You need to get your stuff done. You need to control your time. You need to control your mood and everything that's around you, which is fine because you need to get work done. Sure. But it it can come off being an asshole. But there are times where you're like, I am genuinely being an asshole for no reason. And <laughs> you, like, I've been that guy in the gym where I'm training with someone. And I'm like, man, I really want to put this guy in a chokehold for no reason. What's going on here? So I'll start, you know, check myself, move away and go, all right, cool. Why do I feel this way? All right, this is what it is. Cool. In the moment, get back into it. Have fun with it. Get tapped out. All good. Um, yeah. But what I was actually going to, like, jump into right here is, like, so because I love the mindset side of stuff and we are going to jump into like the business building stuff because I love that stuff too. But realistically, when you guys are talking about mindsets um, and mood shift, what's one of the best way, or not really mood setting, but sitting in the moment is what I want to get into. Cause that's something I've personally struggled with in the past. And I know a lot of my friends have um, mm. and where they go, okay, I want to feel em embrace the sadness that I'm into, but the mo it's like that they're, they're about to touch that moment of sadness, but they run away. It's like, yeah. uh, no, <laughs> it's like, I've been here long enough. It's been 30 seconds. I need to leave now. Sure. Like what's the best way for, if you had any advice for someone to actually be able to fully immerse and sit in there, is there a methodology or is it just constantly practice? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think in many ways you answered it by saying practice. I think that there, um, these, these are things that are not taught in school. These are things that we have not been influenced in from a young age, or, or at least most of, most of the world has not had this kind of influence. So, I think that we we lose patience with the process and even ourselves because we kind of get it. We want to learn to sit in the moment, embrace the sadness, uh, and we tend to skirt and run away. So then we get a little frustrated, and then we kind of just lose our focus on it altogether. But practice really does uh, embody everything that has to happen. And, and, and I want to state that up front because my tool for this uh, is a quality one, but it also takes practice. Uh, it's a form of meditation. Meditation comes in a million different ways. Um, 
But I've always liked it when it's phrased like this. Like if we're talking about current moments, there's really only one thing that's happening every single moment of our lives from the day or the second we're born to the day we die, which is breath. Breath is always in the moment. So rather than embracing the sadness or embracing the fear or embracing that emotion, I try to transpose into embrace your breath. It really put yourself literally in your nostrils, feel the air coming in and out. That is embracing the moment, which gives then way to allowing whatever you're feeling to be present with you, whether it's fear, sadness, etc. So I try to reverse order it and let's not try to embrace the sadness. Let's embrace the breath of the moment and know that the sadness will be there when we do. Yeah. You know, I was going to say the same thing. So I was going to go with breathing as well. And I just want to add to that. I think that when we, I, I think breathing, like Brian said, it's such a, it's natural. It's a natural response. It's, you can't, you can't not breathe, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's going to kick in no matter what, right? So the reason I think that it's so, one of the reasons it's so powerful is because if the minute you say to someone, try and sit in embracing the sadness, they start to overthink. Well, how do I do that? Like, do I sit like in an Indian sit? Do I sit standing? Do I walk? Do I do I think for 10 minutes? Do I think for... F- so like the second you say that, the, the human condition is to ask, well, how do I do that? But yeah. nobody really asks, well, how do I breathe? Right? And even if they do, it's a really simple directive. Breathe in through your nose, hold it, breathe out through your, your mouth, for example, right? So I, I think that it just helps to rid any of the overthinking process that so many people experience. Agreed. Oh, so totally. I'm actually going to add to that as well as a second stipend of adding things to uh, Brian's statement here. There's a, there's a quote I read recently, which I love, and I do this every time I feel excitement or fear. It's fear is basically excitement with no breath. Yeah. So, um, and when you were saying that each, you know, when you feel sad, breathe, when you feel this, breathe into it. I just realized if you sit down and think about it and everyone at home, just listen to this, just for a moment, imagine yourself in a position where you're happy, where you're sad, where you're excited, where you're fearful and notice the breath path, the breathing patterns you have. They're either really shallow, really quick, really deep or really relaxing. And mm. as you said, if you control the breath and actually go to back to that in through the nose, hold for a few seconds, out the mouth, as you said, Carrie, uh, it, it, Carrie it's, it's so amazing how you essentially just like center yourself back down to that initial thought that you had. Yeah. And, and it's, 100%. it's something that we get taught, like uh, we get taught how to breathe deeply when you do sports, you know, like if you do any sort of sport, you want to breathe like this jujitsu in particular, you will always equate it back. Cause that's the sport I'm currently obsessed with. If you're being choked out, you get told don't panic. The last thing you want to do is panic. Cause when you panic, your muscles go into lock, you use up more oxygen and then you start getting choked out quicker. Sure. And the best thing to do is breathe and change everything. I think, I think visual analogies sometimes are effective and at the very least it's going to be effective for me. I hope it's for other people right now. Um, Back in the day when I was a performance coach, I remember working with uh, the Alpine ski team in Canada and I had never downhill skied. I still haven't because I think it's the entire concept is just stupid, (laughs) but uh, great, great people, great athletes. And I remember them, telling me, I mean, I'd always ask questions about what it's like to be coming down that hill and the, these hills, your mountains, and you're going about 14,000 kilometers an hour and blah, blah, blah. And I, I'd ask about making those hairpin kind of turns on these two sticks. <laughs> and like, how? what do you physically and mentally do? 
And I remember their answer made so much sense to me. And it really just kind of coincides with everything that you just said. You were a skier, so you tell me if this is accurate, actually. But they always talked about you have to lean in to the turn. You have to mm-hmm. lean in to the velocity. Your body doesn't want to. Your body wants to lean away from that mm-hmm. because it feels the vector coming. It feels that speed. And, you know, our, we're not stupid people. That's fucking fast. And it doesn't feel all the way stable. So we want to lean away from it. But at the highest level of that sport, they have conditioned themselves when that kind of fear response hits to lean into it, to breathe into it. Absolutely. And that allows them to stay on their skis and take the corner. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very vivid example. When fear and excitement hit, lean into it, breathe into it, and let it be what it – we don't have to control anything. It's going to do what it does if we lean into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, can I say that for me, when I, whenever – I love what you said, the quote that you gave with regards to fear because – for me, whenever I think about fear, and it's so funny because we were just talking about this today, that, you know, fear can either either catalyze you or paralyze you. And, you know, if we, the way, the reason fear is a problem is because our society nowadays is defined it as a problem. Yeah. But like, I fear fear, I feel fear all the time. Like if I'm squatting 300 pounds, there is a whole hell of a lot of fear walking up to that bar as I'm about to squat down, worried if I'm going to come back up again. Right. But like what I've learned how to do is to, like you said, lean into the fear. For me, fear is the equivalent of free falling. Like you're, it's that it's an exhilaration now because I've learned how to reframe it and use that energy to lean into it, to breathe into it. And it always yields for me that, you know, coming out of the the curve, the best possible way. Agree. That agrees so much. Now, something you just said that really kind of made me think for a second. Um, It's one of those thoughts, you know, when you have one of those fleeting moments, like, oh, got it. Oh, damn, might have lost it. But it's one of those things where hopefully you just still got it. It's essentially when you're approaching that moment of, um, Damn it, I've lost it. It'll come back to me. It'll come I back to me. When that I do that happens. all the time. All the time. Live, all the time. <laughs> it'll, it'll come back to me when it's meant to be. It's fine. But really kind of what I want to like segue directly into right now is how do you... Actually, no, that was it. Found it. Just remembered it. Yes. yes. It was essentially just... <laughs> that was a triple yes. I just want to acknowledge that right now. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say was like when you're talking about having that fear, it, it's true. So many people today actually fear fear. And yeah, as I think Tony Robbins said it best was that you're, you're going to either feel inspiration or desperation and both objective, they both come from fear because yeah. they, they, they make you work better. It's like the whole thing. Um, and again, a lot of my stuff, like you guys do with different analogies, my analogies are mostly in like combat sports, because if there's anywhere else you feel everything, it's in there. You're even going to get punched in the face. You can get taken down. You can get kicked. You're going to get tapped out. You've got everything that your brain is kind of going this is not normal. What is going on? Please stop this right now. Like our senses are there. But when you, um, when you, when you embrace that fear, everything slows down. It's all down to, again, down to breathing. When you breathe deeply, it's kind of like you get a control of the situation and you're like, okay, I'm here. I know what my next steps are. And with that being said, that was the segue I wanted to bring up. How do you help? Like, what would you say would be some of the best things that someone that's an entrepreneur or a business owner, because that's mostly who listens to this, how can they embrace their fears in business? Because there's some people that are out there that are like, okay, I know my shit, but I don't know how to charge. Or the other side, which is, I know, I don't know if I can even do this. 
Like that, yeah. kind of, that. Like how do they embrace that and catapult from that? You know, our answer doesn't change. Uh, I mentioned before, we really work with a psychographic of people, not mm-hmm. a demographic, but a lot of people who watch us and and uh, become part of what we do really are entrepreneurs at all spectrums, startups uh, to high-end elite, very successful. So our entire system, to be honest, comes down to four exercises that we advise everybody do in the world every single day. We have taken neuroscience and physiology of how the brain works and how the unconscious mind corresponds with it. We've matched that to spiritual reality that has been based on 5,000 years worth of wisdom, and we've put it to four practical steps. So the answer is very simple, especially for entrepreneurs. I wanna, I wanna frame it like this though. The making or breaking of your business, believe it or not, is actually not in the work you do or don't do related to your business. It's in the work you do or don't do related to yourself. That is the linchpin, okay? So these four exercises are not marketing strategies or funnel expertise or sales uh, scripts. These are actually based on what you need to be the best version of yourself, which is what allows your company to grow. Uh, number one, count your wins. It's our it's our foundational exercise. Literally every 24 hours, take out a pen and a piece of paper or the Brian and Carrie journal, whichever you'd rather, and enumerate all the wins you can think of that day. These wins are not they don't have to be massive wins. Doesn't have to be I banked thirty thousand dollars today. Every little thing that you can qualify as a step in the right direction, something you're proud you did, whatever it might be. Start to enumerate them and internalize them. And here's why. The human brain is programmed to be negative. Love it or hate it, that is the evolutionary reality of the human brain. So we are conditioned to respond, receive, and react to negativity with way more intensity than we are positivity. As a matter of fact, here, entrepreneurs, you get 100 messages in one day. 99 of them say, your product changed my life. You're God's gift to me. Thank you. One of them says, you're a fraud. You're full of shit. All you did was steal that guy's stuff, market it as your own. I want a refund. Mm -hmm. 99 to 1. Which one of those emails are you dwelling on for the next 72 hours? The The one. one. Exactly. So entrepreneur, we must reframe our perspective. We must count our wins. It has a definitive change in our synaptic connections in the brain. We start to change our perspective on everything we're doing every day. It builds momentum. It creates a positive aura around us. Shit still happens, but we don't internalize it the same way. Okay, so that's number one. Do you want to number two? No, you're you're on a roll. (laughs) I'm on a roll. Keep going. Number two, you must review your direction, okay? It's the same pretense as wins in that the human brain has natural ADD tendencies. And nobody, nobody has larger ADD tendencies than entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. How many entrepreneurs listening right now have said this to themselves? I have an idea. (laughs) Well, I think a better question is how many times a day do you you say that? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm on about five today already. Right, exactly, right? (laughs) So if we track back success to what we said a few minutes ago, it's simplicity plus consistency. Create a plan, audit the plan every three months, but stick to the plan. In order to do that, we have to retrain our brain to be top of the mind aware of that plan, which means reviewing our direction essentially says 
we are going to bring top of the mind our two to three year goals every single day. Either we're going to journal about them, we're going to talk to people about them, or we're going to sit and stare at a fire and think about them. But we are forcing our conscious brain to reflect on that two to three year plan every single day. In doing so, we allow simplicity plus consistency to do its job. So that's number two. Number three, we call imagine your outcome. Now here's where we go back and we end around into the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is the most powerful entity known to humankind, but for all of that's power, it's stupid. It does <laughs> not know real versus imagined, which means we can put anything in our unconscious mind that we want. As long as we repeat that image over and over and over again, our unconscious believes it. Now, the reason the unconscious is so powerful is that whatever is the story in the unconscious mind, it's what drives our actions, habits, and behaviors every single day. Entrepreneurs self-sabotage chronically. They don't do the work they're supposed to do. They do too much work in the realm that they don't need to be doing. I mean, we are self-sabotage kings and queens. And that's because our unconscious story is not aligned. We don't have an internal alignment. All of us can make a million dollars a year. All of us can make five million dollars a year. If we have a plan, we audit the plan, we stick to the plan, and we have an unconscious that's aligned to that plan. So how do you align the unconscious? You literally imagine daily what that looks like. And you, you either do it in a meditative state, you do it while walking in nature, you do it however it feels good to you. But you want to bring the vision and even the emotion alive of what it's going to be like to have fulfilled what that looks like. And in doing so with repetition every day, we completely change the unconscious story, which then aligns our actions, habits, and behaviors to what it is we claim we want. The very last one is the one that entrepreneurs tend not to like, <laughs> but it's called learn your language, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've kind of pseudo covered this already, but directly learn your language. You're a bigger asshole to yourself than you'll ever admit in public. <laughs> Broader than yeah. that, you talk to yourself in a way that you would never let anybody else talk to you. You call yourself lazy. You call yourself unworthy. You call yourself stupid. You call yourself not good enough to be able to build this business. That's called a limit. How can we possibly build a seven-figure entity that serves people and is the, 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 the greatest reflection of what's inside of us if that's what our internal language is calling us every single day. Now, the only way to change that language is to know what it is. You have to learn what you're saying to yourself. It's, it's, it's a simple assessment profile. Um, ask any Facebook ads expert, ask any funnel expert, ask any copy expert. How do you know what's going to work? You test it. You have to assess what's going on. So if we are not prepared to say, look, at every single day, I'm calling myself unworthy. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. And we do so lightheartedly. We do so just as a matter of self-awareness. And in doing so, we begin to ease the burden of that language on ourselves. Well, that's all it takes is being aware of what we're saying so we can start the process of flipping it. And, and those are the four exercises. Now, you do that and you're consistent with it 
everything changes. Everything works. Everything's simple. Everything flows. It all just starts to build. Yeah. You know, it just. That was a lot. I'll just. Yeah. I'll yeah. take two seconds to say this. No. Uh, right? <laughs> I sat down. I was writing notes. That's what the, I was doing. The, I was two like, seconds, the, 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 the two seconds that I'll take to add to that is, um, you know, some people say like, oh, really? All I have to do is those four things and it's going to like change my unconscious. And like really and truly, like I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is like, you know, Brian and I have been in business together for nearly eight years. And this is what the beginning phase of it was. It was taking and testing and trying and figuring out what the, like the, the powerful four are. Like these are our four pillars because they work and because learning your language is taking care of becoming aware. Counting your wins is taking care of the reprogramming process, process right? It's all about right now you don't know what your unconscious is saying to you so what we need to do is we need to consciously and i'm totally using my hands to express this i just realized nobody's going to see it but i know <laughs> you you're trying to use your conscious mind to go down and pull up what's in the unconscious mind so you're making the unconscious conscious but then what happens is you count your wins and you imagine your outcome and you review your directions is you're actually reprogramming the unconscious exactly. mind to be more serving of what you want it to be right so that it's like the literal reprogramming of your unconscious 100%. mind when you do those four yep. pillars i'm going to add yeah. one thing if that's okay because your audience is so entrepreneurial based Probably the biggest name in the entrepreneurial world right now is Gary Vaynerchuk. And I mean, I've never met him. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I know a lot of people love what he says. And we don't make a living off of shitting on other people. So it's not about us being negative towards Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. But I want to take close notes, okay? If you talk to a Facebook ads consultant and you say, um, my Facebook ads don't work very well. How do I make them better? That, if the, if the consultant is qualified... The question back is, well, I can make them better, but what are you doing now? Yeah. If you ask a nutritional consultant, I want to lose weight, what should I eat? The question back should be, well, what are you eating now? So the point is we have to understand ourselves before we can just dive into any person's philosophy. And the reason I bring up Gary is that although I think hustle and grind works for him, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Yep. We don't hustle and grind. Now, we aren't as successful as Gary Vaynerchuk yet, <laughs> yet, but I also know we know ourselves well. We understand where our unconscious is, what our uh, emotional profile is. We know ourselves so well that we can plan and pro produce a business based on our desires, our strengths, our abilities, blah, blah, blah. So before you listen to Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk or anybody else, at least do the work of knowing who you are. Yeah. what you're saying to yourself, what your unconscious is. Because Grant Cardone's way is his way. And yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk's way is his way. And Brian Tracy's way is his way. All of those ways are valid, but they may not be right for you. And I'm saying that because there are so many entrepreneurs who stress themselves to be like Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk, but they're not like those guys. And that you don't have to be to be successful. So yeah. I, I kind of always offer that as a caveat. Our stuff should come first in every entrepreneur's life. Once you have that stuff established, well, now you can listen to a guru and align with it. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, like a lot of you guys are talking about uh, what you guys have taught. Um, as I said, I was taking notes because I was like, <laughs> God, I was like, I know this is great stuff because it's a constant reminder of what goes on. And again, you know, you go through all this stuff, but it's the way you guys explained it was so 
eloquent. Anyone, anyone listen to this, please go back, listen to the two, three times. Take notes as many times as you need to because this stuff is really transformational when you put it in play. Mm. But what you said right there about every guru or coach out there is you can never align yourself until you truly know yourself because right. you yeah. just can't. I mean, it's uh, when I started my copywriting career professionally, I gravitated towards someone like John Carlton, who I loved because he was such a great teacher. His whole thing was like, let go of your ego, do this, do it this way. This is the stuff that you want. And then I tried to listen to Perry Marshall, whom I also love, but I wasn't ready for Perry. So his stuff just seemed like foreign to me. So I was like, what's going on here? I don't know myself well enough to pursue that path. Sure. It's when you know yourself that you can get down there. Now we're reaching one of my, one, like we're reaching two, well, one of my two favorite parts of the show. Uh, but with you guys, because you've given so much already, this is just going to be more or less a recap for you guys more than anything. Except for the fact, the first question is not going to be a recap, the second one is. So the first question is, when you guys had, um, when you guys were down, like genuinely right down there in the pit of like, my confidence is completely shot. I don't know what's going on. Will I actually get back off my ass again and be able to move forward? Separately, but or both equally can answer. Because I want one ask from both of you. What did you guys do to get yourself back to that confidence and build it back up again? I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna venture a guess that it's the exact same answer Brian's gonna give. <laughs> um, so we we already talked about um, our four exercises and really and truly counting wins yep. is is absolutely without question where it's at when you're in when you're in the in the dumps in the hole wherever you want to you whatever you want to call it right so what happens when you're when you're down there in the hole of despair is that you're in such a negative state that you're just piling on more negativity more like fuel to that fire of why it's never going to work you know how you're going to how are you going to make it work who is going to make make it work for you i should just close off shop the number of times brian and i almost considered actually getting real jobs yeah. every entrepreneur's had that moment right maybe i should just go work at a coffee shop multiple times right? so but when you're in that place every part of you because there is a comfort in the darkness right there is a comfort in closing up shop and saying you know what that's it but when you're there is when you need to count the wins the most because when you're there is when you need to reprogram that thought pattern that you're in now we have something that's kind of an adjunct to, to counting your wins which we refer to as minding the gap yes so minding the gap is really essentially like we have two gaps that we can look at now we tend to look at the gap of where we are and where we want to be most often. And usually that's a huge gap, yeah. you know? So like if you're just a startup and you have an intention of being a $10 million per year company, that's a pretty big gap to that point, right? So we only, we tend to only look at the gap forward, but what we do when we're down in that place is look at the gap of what's behind us, of where we've come from. How far we've come. Because, and like literally, like I'm such a pen and paper kind of girl, like I will take out a piece of paper and I will write down like all the, like how far have we come? Where were we six years ago? Where were we seven years ago? All the wins along the way, what we're doing that's right. You, you have to very actively and consciously choose to change the story of what's going on in that in that current state yeah that that is my answer but because i love variety and i want to give your viewers and listeners more i'm going to say i'm going to give a different answer oh so fun the biggest <laughs> mistake that every entrepreneur makes and i'm telling you this is this tops the list this is the top charter of the mistake every entrepreneur makes is they ask how mm -hmm. way too often and as a matter of fact, how should never be part of your vocabulary as an entrepreneur. So when I'm in the shit, 
I ask three fundamental questions. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And who can help? Mm. When I recenter on what it is I'm trying to accomplish, why I'm trying to accomplish, and who can help me accomplish it, I find myself digging out of the hole very easily. The problem is most entrepreneurs, when they're in the shit, they stop, they start asking themselves the wrong question. How do I regain my confidence? Uh, how, how do I do this and make money? Uh, how do I change my funnel so it finally works? Stop asking those questions. Recenter. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? And who can help? Yeah. Those questions are affirmative. You start writing lists and it fucking feels good to reconnect to your passion. And inevitably, you start thinking who can help. You come across a name and you reach out to. Hey, Dale, I'm having a shit time, buddy. Can I talk to you for a couple seconds? Yeah. And boom. Everything feels better all of a sudden. Absolutely. So that yeah. that's just my variety answer. Woohoo! That's awesome. I'm actually going to add again to that as well uh, about reaching out to people. Yeah, most entrepreneurs super awesome about like talking to them. They they really don't care. Like they yeah. they will well not they don't care, but they don't mind getting on the phone with you for like a little bit. They don't mind talking to you. Absolutely. They're like, okay, cool. You know, like. I'm sure you can reach out. I reached out to Carrie. And I was like, hey, um, you guys are on my list of people I really want to interview. Can, we, can I do an interview with you guys? Because I know, A, it's going to be awesome. And B, well, it, look at the show. It's awesome. There we go. <laughs> kind of proves self-filling prophecy there. But I knew that going in. I was like, she can either tell me I'm completely busy right now, can't do anything. Can we get you down down the line? Or sure, let's go for it. Let's book some time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think entrepreneurs, they share a very unique like quality amongst themselves agreed. is that like we all kind of have been there, done that. We all know yeah. the journey, you know, and 100%. so if you are an entrepreneur who is in the hole, <laughs> you know, don't isolate yourself any further. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Do that reach out. 100% agree. Isolation is probably the worst thing ever because it oh, just totally. makes the dark. It makes it makes the pit darker and bigger yes. than it really seems. And it's like, wait, Absolutely. actually. I think the best equation, again, for a visual effect, if anyone's seen Undercover Brother, if you haven't, just quickly type it on YouTube, Undercover Brother barbershop scene. Mm -hmm. There's a bit where he's being dropped through to, like, the secret underground, underground layer through the barbershop. And it seems like he's dropping for miles. And he looks up, it's like two feet above him. It's, like, it's, just, it's just special effects and fans. That's Perfect. all it is. It's so true. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, that. that's essentially what it is. You've only gone down, like, you're not even six feet under, dude. You're fine. Yep. Just get up. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but reach out and speak to people. Now, this is the part of the show I usually ask people what are three bits of advice that you can give to people, but we've already covered so much here. Let's quickly go on to recap the three things. Well, it's actually three separate parts of four because there's so much you guys have covered. It's ridiculous. What three main areas would you cover for um, recap for someone to listen to? Because my personal favorite is, of course, the four things that you do every day. Yeah. Um, the four A's, which I'm going to get you to recap. And again, anything else that you guys want variety, but feel free. The floor is yours for now. Sure. Can I go? Yeah. I'm a, can I give stuff that we haven't talked about yet? If yes, by all of, means. Okay. Because these are kind of like philosophies that we live and breathe by that I think really need to be applied to everything that we just shared. So the first one is progress, not perfection. Nice. I, I think that we really, really love the rhetoric of like, oh, it's not life is about the journey, not the destination. But nobody really does anything with that. So I, I think we've got to step into the, the journey of it's all about progress, not perfection. We need to strip away the notion that we're ever going to be perfect because it's not going to happen in this lifetime. I don't know if it happens in five lifetimes, to be honest with you. So that's my first one. My second one is 
that I think in life we have to look when we're talking about the hole that people are in or we're talking about the struggles. I think we need to look to move from stuck to sustainable. And, and I, and I think, cause I think people think that they need to be fixed. There is no fix. We need to move from a place where we're in purgatory and we're immobile to a place where we're sustaining and sustaining might mean something completely different for every day of the week. Sustaining in, in a good month, maybe that means that you're sustaining all your practices, you're religious about doing your work, everything's flowing, but sustaining in a, in a month where maybe you're not doing so well emotionally or physically or health-wise, maybe that's a completely different thing. So those are the two things that jump off the top of my head as philosophies to kind of apply to everything that we talk about yeah and i'll kick in i'm gonna say i'm gonna say something up front um i don't often say because it's nothing i really care that much about to be brutally honest but it explains why i often talk about spirituality so i have a phd in pastoral counseling which means spiritual study has been part of my formal education for a long time and my informal pursuits of understanding and you know buddha said that all joy and suffering is in the mind and there's a beautiful uh polynesian island uh, spiritual movement that's very, very old. It's ancient, as a matter of fact, and it's called Huna. And the it's seven tenets, the very first tenet, uh, it, it talks about that uh, the world is not uh, what it is, it's what you think it is. Uh, and we can move that up to Napoleon Hill and Wallace Waddles and Earl Nightingale and uh, Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn. The point I'm making is that from 5,000 years ago to current day, you're hearing a repeat theme, which is this. Life is a perspective. As we think it through, it becomes. There are no absolute truths. There is no suffering outside of the suffering we create. There is no joy outside of the joy we create. It all stops and starts in this half square foot of real estate between our ears. So entrepreneurs or anybody listening, understand that your very success, your very happiness, your very sustainability and health is all a matter of your mindset and your thought process, which bleeds into emotions and physicality, etc. So I restate the four things you should do every day. Count your wins, review your direction, learn your language, and imagine your outcome. It takes what Carl C. Jung, the father of psychology, says, it takes the unconscious, it makes it conscious, and then it takes those conscious thoughts and it reprograms the unconscious, which changes the entire loop. That's the recap that I think matters. Brilliant. That's pretty That's awesome. Pretty. Guys, thank you so much for actually being here and you know, being with us and giving so much goddamn content. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You're awesome. Let's do this again any day. Very happy oh, to share. By all means, I want you guys back on the show. I'm just thinking, like, when can we get these back on, guys back on? We'll have to get you in on season four, which would be great. I'd love um, But, guys, go check out uh, Let's Eliminate Your Limits.com. Go get Brian's book as well. Mindset, uh, mindset, was it Mindset Matters? Mindset Matters Most. My, mindset matters most. I knew I was missing an M there. I was like, it's not over. It's mindset matters most. Um, go find them online. Trust me, everything these guys do is absolutely brilliant. And uh, as well, huge fan of their work personally, and been checking out all your emails and stuff like that. Practically, whenever they come through and watching your video. So thank you so much for sharing so much today. And as I said, even I was sat here taking notes throughout the show. Uh, I'm gonna be listening through after as well to get a few more uh, gems. But guys, thanks again for being here. Um, and for those listening, listen to this again. Reach out to us if you reach out to any of us, really. And if there's anything you guys want to say at the end right before we head off. 
Oh, just thank you. You know, yeah, we, you know, for us being able to share our message and be able to talk about it live like this with anybody who wants to listen is really and truly our honor and our, our privilege. So Indeed. thank you. Great blessing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Guys, I will see you on the next episode of Adam Marcy Unplugged. And uh, Carrie, Brian, I will definitely see you guys in the coming future as well. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Bye.